receive what Pastor Zach is going to bring to us this morning because he's got a word from the Lord for each and every one of us. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Well, good morning. It is great to be here this morning to share and worship with each of, each of you guys. <clears throat> so um, I spoke earlier also with, uh, with some of the worship team. We're going to be doing a couple things. Uh, differently, kind of uh, creating some teams around some different areas of ministry, and uh, so if you um, if you would like to be involved in certain areas, I know we have some specific things that would be great for some of the tech needs. We have a lot of different things that we're wanting to do to expand and to to do more. Um, we can always use some more volunteers in, in kids ministry, and if you want to be involved with some stuff um, around the nursery, then you can talk to specific um, people of us if you wanted to. Do anything with the with the kids or the little ones? Uh, go ahead and talk to to Danielle. She's back in the nursery right now. She'll be back out here at the end of the service. But uh, but speak with her if you wanted to get involved with some of the, the ministry with the media. Um, then go ahead and holler at me. That'd be a great person to start with. And then uh, then we'll start to to roll through. Be able to have teams. We have a couple cameras. We'd like to be able to put in more operation as we're doing stuff, especially uh, Wednesday nights. It's usually me and Philip in the back hanging out, and uh, so and then. Die is usually back there on the camera too, so uh, we can always use more people doing that, um, helping out with the youth. We have a lot of different things that we're wanting to do, and so if you are wanting to look for areas to be involved with, please come and talk to me, and I would love to connect you with a specific area that would be great need. Um, people who can greet even more, it's great to have smiling faces as you walk through the door. Um, lots of things like that. So we would love to continue to build and to equip everybody and to have opportunities to serve. And then not just serve here, but also serve outside of the church walls, because that's ultimately what we want to be able to do as well, is to go and reach people for the kingdom. Amen? Amen. So today, uh, the message that I'm sharing is called, Ready Your Hand, Overcome Your Heart. Ready Your Hand, Overcome Your Heart. And we're going to be out of the book of Matthew, chapter 16. We're going to be in verses 13 through 28. <clears throat> this is where, uh, where Peter and Jesus are having a nice little discussion with the disciples, and it says in verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist. He's referring to himself there as the Son of Man. They say, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. They start going through the list of the Son of Man who they think could, uh, could be for him. And so um, he says this, he says, but what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whether you are blind, whether you are bind on, sorry, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. It's pretty, pretty harsh news to hear from the one 
Especially because remember, we've talked about this before, but in Jewish culture, they believed that the Messiah was going to be the one who came and who helped overthrow the governmental system that they were bound by and reestablish themselves as the king over all things again. And that Israel would be the predominant ruler of the world again. That was their belief. That's what they thought the Messiah was going to come. That's why they had a, a group called the Zealots, who these people trained to be killers they trained to take people out they were like israeli special forces (laughs) these guys were really really determined to make sure they were prepared so that whenever it came time to fight the government they would be able to storm the capital and take over all the things and proclaim themselves as as uh, as the followers of the messiah the new king of all the earth and so this would be very interesting news when just before this peter told told jesus hey i believe you know, all these people believe that you're all like one of these prophets come back to life. You're all who, this person, that person, John the Baptist, all this. But I say that you're, you're the Messiah. And Jesus confirms it to him. Yes, blessed are you. God revealed this to your heart. You didn't just come up with this on yourself. This is something the Lord revealed to you. So going from saying, sweet, we've got the Messiah right here. Like, let's get the strategy going. Let's get the blueprint going. Like, what, what side are we going uh, to attack the, the capital? How are we going to take out the emperor? Like, how are we going to do all this stuff? I'm ready. Let's get to it. Like, let's battle mode. We're ready to go. This is time. This is now. We're going to be the ones who take over all this stuff. It's going to be awesome. And then Jesus says, yeah, but um, when I go and meet with some of the people who are in authority, there's actually going to be quite a bit of conflict, and I'm going to die. But then three days later, I'm going to rise. And you're like, oh, time out. <laughs> I don't hear, like, the we're taking over the universe, like, planned. Like, I don't hear that at the end of this. Like, what's, what's happening here? I don't understand this. And so Jesus says this, or sorry, um, and he must be killed on the third day, be raised to life. Verse 22, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord. Come on. Are you kidding me right now? You are not going to die. This shall not happen to you. This will not happen, okay? If I have anything to do with it, this is not going to happen, okay? I'm going to do everything I can. And then Jesus quickly turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Like slapped him across the face, essentially, with some good. I mean, he had just told him, listen. You heard from the Lord. I am the Messiah. You heard that straight from God. Nobody else revealed that to your heart but God. And then Peter's like, all right, cool. I got some clout. I hear from God, dude. Let's go. I hear from him. Jesus, you're not going to die. You're going to live. Get thee behind me. You are a stumbling block. He called him Satan. It's interesting that he called him Satan and didn't call call him the devil. Satan means accuser. The one who brings accusations. There are people that could be around you who have great intentions for you. They want you to do well. But if you know what God has called you to, you know what he's equipping you for, you know the assignment he has you on, then anyone who says that that is contrary to what the Lord has revealed to your heart becomes an accuser of what the word of the Lord is for you. None of us are supposed to lord over the other person. It's not our responsibility. It's not my responsibility as a pastor to tell you what you have to do in every single life circumstance. To dictate every move that you make, what job you're supposed to have, all these things, that's not my job. My job is to help reveal the 
the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and that you need to be able to be attentive. He'll equip you by learning what the Bible says so you can recognize his voice and to help lead in those areas where we can go in and, and communicate the gospel of Jesus to those who are around us. I cannot be the one that is you, the Holy Spirit, for you. I am not the Holy Spirit. My dad is not the Holy Spirit. My mom's not the Holy Spirit. My wife's not the Holy Spirit. Pastor Ken's not the Holy Spirit. You go down the line of every single person that's in your life, they are not the Holy Spirit. They are not God. Do not let them dictate the steps that you take. You need to be able to hear from the Lord. Jesus knew what he was supposed to do when he came. He knew what his assignment was. He prayed about it often. He spoke about it often. Peter, in his well-doing, wanted Jesus to be around for a long time because he had his own conception of what Jesus was supposed to do. How many times do we do that with God? We have our own idea of what God is supposed to do for us. God, you're supposed to do this, though. <laughs> we have to pray that. Ah, oh, this was supposed to happen, God. What, 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 like, where did you mess up? <laughs> you missed the mark somewhere, Jesus. What, what, what happened there? <laughs> I was supposed to be over this, but I'm still in it. What's, what's the deal? He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Accuser, you're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And that line in itself, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Before he heard the voice of the Lord, that Jesus was the Messiah. After that, when he said that, he had his human concerns that he placed in front of the words and rebuked Jesus because he had his own human concerns. How often are we speaking to other people or trying to do things based off of our own concerns and not listening to what the Holy Spirit's telling us in that moment. Listening to what God has, what his concern is for those moments. How near and dear are we to hear the voice of the Lord? Jesus says, I believe it's in, 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 uh, in John 8 where he says, the sheep know, my sheep know my voice. If there's another shepherd around, they're going to follow him because it's not the sh their shepherd's voice. If there's another person talking to him, tell him, come over here. They don't recognize that. But from the time that they're itty-bitty, that shepherd is around them, caring for them, walking them through different places. The older sheep, it's recognizing that those older sheep are also following this person. And so they recognize, okay, this is the one I'm supposed to be following. We're supposed to go get water. They're going to lead me to water. Well, I'm supposed to eat. They're going to lead me to the place where I need to go to eat. And we're supposed to go and go to sleep, right? He's going to lead us to a sweet pasture where we can go to sleep. And when there's another voice, they know that's not the voice that I recognize from all those years of being here. So when we encounter his voice, then we know where we're supposed to go, how we're supposed to get there. Sometimes it's, you just have been revealed the next step. It's not the entire plan, it's just the next step. That's it. And we're supposed to continue in that next step until we get another step or until we get something else. In verse 24, it says this, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good would it be for someone to gain the entire world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come 
in his father's glory with angels and then he will reward each person according to what they have done truly i tell you someone some of you who are standing here will not taste death before they see the son of man coming in his kingdom i love that whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and pick up their cross ready your hand everyone pick up your cross Pick up your cross, pick up your cross and follow after him. The interesting thing is that when you look at all the people who, who died on the cross, even the ones who were next to Jesus, there were different stories that led each of them there. Anyone who died, anyone who dies, all have different stories that led them to that place. How I got to pick up my cross does not have to be the way that you took to pick up your cross. How someone else who you feel like has a great testimony, man, that's incredible, man, they, God took them out of this and that and that, whoa, that's cool. Doesn't mean that you have to go through this, that, and the other in order to pick up your cross. You pick up your cross right where you're at and you follow after him. What benefit is it that you can gain all these different things in the eyes of, of individuals. Maybe you hit all these different goals. We sung about that this morning. These goals that we've turned into idols. What good is it if we hit every single one of those goals, but we don't know Christ? We don't know the Savior of the universe. We don't know the one who can actually transform us can equip us for, for what we've been called to as, as human beings. <clears throat> what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? In John chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, it says this, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well this is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commandments in fact this is the love for God to keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome for everyone is born of God overcomes the, this world this is the victory that has overcome the world even our faith who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. How do you overcome the world? Your belief is in the one who is greater. What good is it if you can gain the whole world? You gain it all, but it just corrupts you. What good is it that you get that next promotion, but it was through corrupted nature? What good is it that you make hundreds of thousands of dollars, but still you're dissatisfied because you're only searching after the next dollar? What good is it that you serve at, at, at this nonprofit and that nonprofit and you come to church every single Sunday, but you don't know Jesus? What good is that? come to a meeting and that's it but you haven't actually given your life to Jesus 
anyone who believes, when you truly believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and you believe that, that he died on the cross for your sins, the burden of what we're supposed to do is very, very light. It's just one thing. Give yourself to him. Just give yourself to him. That's it. In doing so, you love God. And in doing that, by loving God, you actually find out what his heart is, and his heart is for his people. His heart is for those who are lost, who are hurting. His heart is for you to actually come to know him more and more, and that in that knowing, you start to be transformed. You start to be met with yourself. You start to realize that there's a couple more dark corners in the room of your soul that tend to lean more towards selfishness than selflessness. You start to find that there's, there's a little bit of challenge. That's why when, when, when people end up going through the process, they're like, yeah, I got saved, it's great. And they start walking through different things in their life and they start to, to get met with conflict. They're like, what's the deal, man? I thought this was supposed to be great. Like, I thought this was supposed to be so much better. I feel like I'm struggling a, do- a ton right now. Like, I'm conflicted in every decision I'm making start to realize that a lot of the things you were doing before was based in what I want and not what actually pleases the Lord. For some of you guys, it's, it's, it's something that may even seem super juvenile, like, I don't think I'm supposed to watch this show right now. I don't think the contents of this show is going to lead me into a good place of a headspace where I can actually honor God with my thoughts. For some of you guys, you can still watch that show, and that doesn't quite affect you in that same way. But for some of you guys, it's like, I need to to rid myself of this continuous talk or maybe this continuous behavior that I've been so familiar with in my life that it's actually leading me down a a specific path that I'm finding myself stuck in habit. You need to pick up your cross. You can ask the opinions of other people what they've done to walk through certain sanctification in their life when they were struggling through things. But ultimately, what is the Holy Spirit leading you to do in those moments? And what is your intention behind those things? Because it's very easy to be like, well, the Lord told me to do this. But you're really saying that as a cop-out because when you say the Lord told me to do something, then the other person shouldn't just question what the deal is because you said the Lord told me. Like, is that really the Lord or is that you are the Lord over your life right now? You haven't given it over to the Holy Spirit in that moment. Who is actually the Lord over your soul? over your thought life who's driving those intentions who's driving those conversations who's driving those things let me tell you i still get frustrated frustrated at certain things because i'm growing and getting stretched and learning certain things and so i don't always get it right lots of conversations in my house about man what what can we do that's that's better how can how can we better communicate that how can i better understand this how can i better express myself in this time we have to be stretched to understand that the center of the universe is not you. It's not. The center of the universe is not your calling. Hey now, don't get too close to God. The center of the universe is not your calling. The center of the universe is the one you're called to. We can over-spiritualize things super easy. Super easy. Oh man, I really want to chase after this, this gift that I feel like the Lord has. That's awesome. That's good. But are you chasing after him? And is he giving you that gift? Or are you just looking to be used in a specific way because you don't feel like you're useful? You don't find that you have value. 
You don't feel like you have value. Or are you freely serving because of your, your genuine love for the Lord and you feel like he's laying this on your heart? Because what happens if you want to come up and you want to run the whole live stream and I tell you no? Oh, but I feel like I'm called to. That's cool. Do you know how to operate a camera? Can you move it side to side? There's a zoom button that goes in and out. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be leading worship next week. No, you're not. I'm taking over the nursery. Ah, hard pass. Are you doing this because you feel like you want to have worth? Or do you understand that you already have worth and value that Jesus died on the cross for you? And so you just need to pick up that cross, die to your own selfish ambitions, and just ask the Lord what he's laying on you. Sometimes it's not to do anything because you're so busybody that you are just so used to doing stuff that you find value in just doing stuff. When in reality, you need to find value in your relationship with Jesus. Some of you guys are just way too comfortable sitting down in the seat and feeling like the Lord is calling you for something else. But really, it's stretching you to actually do something. Because that's what the Lord is asking of you. You know, there's, there's sometimes, I, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and uh, one of the guys gave a really, really awesome illustration. I want to use that this morning. He said that uh, his uncle loved, loved, like, loved Snickers. Like, he would hide Snickers everywhere in his house in his car all, all over the place and i mean if you had a, if you even had one like in the room it's like he could smell the peanuts like he knew that there was something going on and he knew the caramel he knew the chocolate the combination he was like there's snickers in the room and he would want it he'd find it and he'd eat it he said his uncle passed away and at, at the funeral he went to check his uncle's bed so he popped open a snickers and he put it right there by his casket right there by his cheek he's not moving you see dead people don't have desires for things that once bound them when you truly die to yourself those desires that you had before that kept you bound that kept you hiding stuff you sniff out that sin in a room attracted to it. Come back. Where you at? You knew it. You could just grab onto it. When you're dead, you have no desire for that. It could be right in front of your face. That Snickers bar could be right under your nose. Doesn't matter. You're not eating it. Because you're dead to those things. The more that you pick up that cross, and the more that you follow after Jesus, the more you'll find that desire diminishes because the one that you're chasing is way more valuable than the thing that you found before. You're dying to self in a way that actually glorifies God because he becomes the one who is insatiable. You just can't get enough. I'm not satisfied. I need more. I need to know him more. I need to read a little bit more. I need to understand what he's saying here more. Those desires do not captivate you in the way that they once did. It doesn't mean that you're not going to struggle with, with, with temptation. I mean, temptation will always be there. And James says that, 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 that when you are tempted and enticed. It doesn't say if you are. It says when. But then he also says, submit yourself to God and then resist the devil. 
Your submission to God is the resistance to the enemy. It is not that you have to sit there and resist and be rebuke all day long and, and curse the devil and hope he leaves and all this. Submit yourself to God. He is the one that has Satan underfoot anyways. So if that's the case, in your submission to God, then the resistance to the devil will be that much easier because your submission is already there to God. You don't have to worry about picking up a huge battle cry and having to go after it and all night long you're just I mean sometimes you have to go through sense to where you feel like you want to intercede for people and that's different than you dealing with a habit that you have not yet submitted fully to God in your submission you will die consider it pure joy when you encounter these various trials knowing the testing of your faith produces endurance I beseech you, my brothers, by the mercies of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice that's wholly acceptable and pleasing unto God. And that is your spiritual act of worship. He says in verse 6, This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by, by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his son. Whoever believes in the son of God accepts his testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. You ready? God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. What good is it if you gain the whole world but you lose your soul? What good is it if you're walking around and you have all the greatest and latest things, but yet you don't have the, the beauty of eternal life in Jesus Christ? things that you need to make sure that you are laying down so that you can pick up the cross. You know, in order for you to pick up something, you, your hands have to be empty in order for you to do that. Some of us have our arms full of all, all this stuff that we're carrying around all the time. And you're trying to pick up that cross, but you can't quite like elbow it. If you try to pick something up with both your elbows, it's not helpful. <laughs> you can't do it very well. You can't pick up a cross with your elbows. You got so much junk that's in your hands because you're holding on to it. This hurt from this person, so I'm holding on to that for a little while. This mistake that I'm making, but I don't want anybody to know about it, so I'm not going to confess it. So I'm going to hold on to it because I can, I can hold it myself. I'm really good at holding it. I've been holding it for years, so that's okay. You know, all these things, this addiction and this, this struggle and this intimidation and this lack of communication, this, and you have all these things that are piling up. You can't pick up the cross because you're so interested in everything else that's in your hands. If you would just let those things go, put them down, then you can pick up your cross and you can follow after him. The beautiful thing about picking up your cross is that when you go and you ascend that hill, feeling exposed as all get out, because that's something that happens with the cross too. Whenever someone was crucified, it wasn't done in the back corner away from every, everybody's view. It was actually done, and as people would walk into the, into the place that they were going to, as they walked into the town, they would see on that hill, whoo, that was a bad dude. They got killed. This was going to happen to you if you do the wrong thing in this town. You get killed. 
And so it was a very public act of being crucified. And so whenever you die to yourself, it will be noticed by those who you're around. You've died to those regular things, those things you once were so enthralled in, those things you were once so captivated by, that your friends, your family, those who are around you, who know you, they're like, well, that's, you know, that's, that's Jimmy. Old Jimmy, he likes the weed. That's old Jimmy. I mean, he just, you know, he likes to go over, he does that, he does that. You know, that's just the way they are. How many of you guys have said that about somebody? Well, that's just the way they are. That's just what they do. You know, that's, that's it. We should not settle for that's just who I am. Should not settle for that. That's unacceptable. That's you refusing to lay down those things and pick up your cross. When you pick up your cross, it will be noticed. Well, he hasn't been doing this that much. He, he hasn't been reacting this way. You know, I have not seen him drunk in a long time. What's he been doing? You know, he used to post all this crazy stuff on Facebook. I haven't seen him post anything like that. Sometimes it's wisdom to just put the social media down. Amen? Some of y'all need to learn the, the process that your thumbs also can fold up into your hand. You don't use it. <laughs> Come on. You will begin to, to see, people will see that you have died to those things. But the beautiful thing about this too is not just that you experience death is that as we do as Christ has done, as we died in Christ, we also are raised in Christ because he rose, amen? And so whenever you die to those things, you are raised as a new creation. Therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When you're a new creation, the old things have passed away, behold, you have new things that come around. So are we really going to live out this life of transformation by putting these things down, listening intently to the Holy Spirit? I can't be the one that tells you all the time, hey, you, guess what? I don't see, I, I see this in your life. It's not, not doing well. You can't rely just on other people to do that. The Lord will send certain people and they will prick you and they will push you and they will tell you, hey, this, this is not good. This is not right. And that's amazing. But you cannot just rely on them to do those things. You need to be able to listen to the Holy Spirit for yourself. I've known people before that they've relied on their spouses to be the only one that, that, that gives them any kind of, thus saith the Lord to them. And that's not good either because then they become the Holy Spirit. Cannot have that. We need to be able to listen to the Holy Spirit. And in order to listen to the Holy Spirit, know what he's saying, we have to read the word. You have to. You have to know the character of God by reading about his character. Reading what he says. We read there in 1 John. He said, those who love me obey my commands. How do you know what he commands? You got to read it. You got to know what he says. Give up yourself. Ready your hand. Overcome your heart. Ready your hand. You overcome your heart. But if you if you let the flesh, the desires of your heart, first and foremost, that's not submitted to God, overtake what your hand does, then guess what's going to happen? You're going to be consistently going through cycle and cycle and cycle of sin and sin and sin, feeling condemned, feeling shamed, feeling manipulated, feeling cursed, feeling like you don't have any worth, like you don't have any value. But if you ready your hand, you drop those things that your flesh wants, and you pick that cross up, start to follow, you 
you'll start to see that you will have some discomfort. Dying doesn't feel good. Ask anybody who's in the grave. But there's also beauty in the silence. Because when you're dead, you don't have excuses. Let me say that again. When you're dead, you have no excuses. It's easy to have an excuse for why you're doing stuff. It's easy to justify sin. It's easy to justify things like that. But when you're dead, you have no excuse. You just have the grace of God that's able to raise you from, the, from that grave, take you from that, that place of death, and bring you to a place of life. Amen? All right. We're doing great on time. So I want to challenge you guys. how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands in fact this is love for God to keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome for everyone born of God overcomes the world this is the victory that has overcome the world even our faith who is it that overcomes this world only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of truly believe that Jesus is the Son of God with the same gusto, the same intensity that those Jews believed that when the Messiah came, we're going to raid the castle. We're going to get everything that we can. For all the times that we've put our faith in a, in a leader, political or spiritual, you put all your stock, all your eggs in that basket. But then Jesus gives you sidestep and says, actually, you're not listening. You're paying attention to people too much. You're paying attention to your own imagination of what you believe should happen instead of asking me. Instead of asking me. We've done this time and time again with different things, different people. But what is the Holy Spirit revealing to your heart? What are the things that you need to let go of so that you can pick that cross up, so that you can follow after me? How can we do that moving into this place that we're getting ready to move into as a church body, as a family, as you progress within your own households, as you live your life within your jobs? These guys were so intent, these Jews, to just go and to take over all the things with that same veracity, uh, with that same um, um, excitement the same determination the readiness we need to be ready to die to ourselves the beautiful thing is not a physical death as Paul says it's a living sacrifice pursuing holiness acceptableness and one that's full of pleasure to the Lord what does that look like? What is the Lord revealing to you? How can you hear his voice in the midst of that? Are we challenging ourselves? Are we being challenged by our friends and our family as well? It's a huge benefit to being close with people is that they'll see things that you can't see, things that you, you're, like, you don't want to have to bring up, and it's easy to look at other things because you don't want to have those things in your heart revealed. And when those things are cracked open, 
when you truly see yourself and your own personal desires, you start to realize, man, I may be a little more selfish than I had anticipated. I may be a little too impatient, maybe a little too unforgiving, maybe a little too harsh. Maybe I'm holding on to things too tightly. said that Jesus was the Messiah, heard from the Lord, was the same person who also was rebuked by Jesus for trying to convince him to do things otherwise. Everything that you say is not going to be completely true and accurate, and you will need people to call you out. And you also need to be people who are ready to take up the mandate to love one another enough to tell them whenever things are incorrect, and to have these conversations. It's valuable, it's important. So ready your hands. about what other people are doing. But what is it that the Lord is doing in you? We rely too much on, on other people to, to, to be our, our savior for specific things. Maybe some of you guys are looking forward to a, to a new uh, political power coming into, into play. Maybe some of you guys are happy with, with the current administration that we have. Maybe some of you guys are, uh, are looking for some new things within the local, localized government. Maybe some of you guys would like it to continue to, to be the same. I think a lot of times we end up putting a lot of stock in calling someone as this is the Lord's appointed and this is who needs to happen. And then when that person doesn't get in, then we're like, oh, man, I may just got that one for a second. And we're good. What is the Lord doing inside of you so that you can actually pray for that individual? Maybe they're in a position to actually receive something that the Lord wants from them. Maybe they're in a position to actually tenderize the hearts of believers so that they can be prepared to actually live out a life that is pleasing to the Lord and not rely on a political figure. I tell you, there's a lot of people who wrote books in the Old Testament who are in way worse conditions than what we're in right now. We feel like we're being chastised. can't control what's going on in any of these places in Washington or other sides of the world but what you can do is you can submit yourself you can drop the things that you're so worried and concerned about and you can pick up that cross and you follow Jesus and then when he lays things on your heart to pray for you intercede because that's what Christians do they're, they're able to pray and intercede and the things they can lay their hands to they lay their hands to those things and they're useful So, so bent up on, on watching videos and looking up all kinds of different stuff and just hoping something good happens later. What is the Lord doing in your heart? How is he growing you and stretching you? Have you learned anything new in the Bible? You maybe memorized a couple new verses. There's a quote, and I'll, I'll end with this. There's a quote, I, I believe it's Bill Johnson that says this. He says, sometimes we are so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. I'll say that again. Sometimes we're, no hev we're, we're so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. 
when Jesus told us how to pray, he said, on earth as it is in heaven. He didn't say, hope I get to heaven so I can experience heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. How are we being challenged to grow as a believer in Jesus Christ? Are we dying daily? should die thousands and thousands of deaths to things but it's a privilege because we come out in a much better circumstance as we submit ourselves to God we shouldn't be depressed dying should not be a depressive thing it's a beautiful thing to be birthed into who God called us into and transformation is a beautiful thing <laughs> there's a thing that uh, that was a, a big thing on social media a while ago it's, it's called glow up it's like whenever you little preteen or teenager and you had a bunch of like pimples and you had like braces and maybe you had hair that was all crazy and you're like man look at that and you look at yourself now after you like have grown into your body a little bit more you know you're able to to wear clothes that actually make more sense than what you're doing before you're like man that's that person glowed up they didn't just grow up they glowed up they're like glowing now look that's awesome we can experience a process of glowing up whenever we actually die to ourselves and we put away those things that we were once held on so tightly to we see that God is actually the one that's shining through us. And that as we get older, it should be a process that as we get older, it's like we shine brighter. We can then impart wisdom to those who are around us and show them, my goodness, this is who I was beforehand. Look at that. That scraggly little person that just didn't know a thing, thought he knew all the things that needed to happen and didn't know a thing. And now look what God can do whenever you humble yourself to submit completely and totally. prosperous and wealthy and it may be one that that you continue to leave it live within the same means that you've been living with for a while but guess what you have something that's way more valuable than the richest person on the planet and that is a direct line to your savior and mine let's stand this morning just a reminder we've been doing 21 days of communion in your household, with your family, with friends, with whoever you can find there. If you've been missing out, you haven't been doing it, that's totally fine. I have no condemnation here. You can pick up today if you want to start today. That's wonderful. We're going to end that on the last Sunday of this month, and we're going to take communion with one another here. I'll tell you what, it's been really good in our household. It's been great. We, we gathered around, we're able to sit, pull some scripture, we read some scripture. Pray about some thi- about things that pop up either throughout the day or about the week, maybe even the, year, the month or the year. We pray for people. We pray for each other. And then we really emphasize God's body and his blood and what he did for us on the cross. It's a wonderful thing to do that with, with your family, with those that you love, friends. I encourage you, if you haven't been doing it, start it today. practice to do. You don't have to just stop when we're done doing those 21 days, but I believe that it's a great practice because we have to go through a process of confession, go through the process of even practicing to pray for one another. Some people are not comfortable praying, and that's that's okay. The way that you get comfortable is by doing so. It doesn't have to be the most pretty prayer. We, we recite the Lord's Prayer every single time we do it. 
If you don't know what to pray, that's great. That's fine. You just pray that, and you're in pretty good company. The way Jesus told us how to pray, right? <laughs> so how can you ready your hands that you don't overcome your heart? Think on those things. You got to write them down, write them down. Just like I said when we were up there during worship. Write those things down on a, on a piece of paper. Fold it up. And see that God's forgiven every single one of those things. There's not one thing on that list that God will not or cannot forgive. He's already forgiven us. Since we've gone through the process of needing to do those things, we just need to confess it. Get it out and release yourself of that burden so that you can take on the burden of just giving yourself to him. Amen. Lord, thank you so much for these amazing people, for what you what you're doing in us. Thank you for this great year, great start to 2023. Father, let us be intentional in the things that we're doing and the areas that we are struggling in. Lord, continue to, to forge your love into the midst of that. Let us go through the process of, of undergoing the fire and the transformation, the purification process of those areas. And Lord, let us be patient in the midst of that process knowing that some things can happen immediately and other things have to go through a process of purification. So Lord, let us, let us be willing to go through the process of transformation so that we can adequately serve you in a way that is, that is pleasing to you. Thank you that you're patient with us. Thank you that your grace is sufficient, that your mercy is overwhelming. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to, have to rely on religion to do things for us, but that, Lord, that we can come to you in relationship and certain things just to come to you. Lord, give us a desire for your word so that we can read and we can develop an appetite for your voice. We love you, we praise you, we thank you, we glorify you. There's no one that's like you, there's no one above you, there's no one equal to you. No opposing power is just as powerful. that you went to the cross and rose from, a, from the grave, then, then that would have been sufficient, but you chose to, to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. So thank you for sending the comforter so that whenever we go through these processes of purification and transformation, that you are still there with us. That you lead us in those processes. That you've forgiven us of the things that we've gone through. Lord, help us to pick up that cross. Give us the boldness and the courage that even if we're afraid to pick that cross up, that our desire to know you will be so much more overwhelming that even when it's a fear, we will be willing to lay down those things that prevent us from doing that. And we will quickly grab that cross and we will begin to ascend that hill. We give you praise, honor, glory. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. You guys have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. Thank you guys for coming out. Greet somebody on the way out. Go have, have a meal with somebody. Have a marvelous week, and we'll see you guys later.